Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey everyone, welcome to the 261st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Diana Ahmad and Mickey Dwyer. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got two of the founders of Riverside Entertainment, Pastor Alvarado and Jeff Molyneux. It's kind of unique. They actually have offices both in Los Angeles and in Nashville. And so we dig in on the opportunities that being in multiple markets creates, basically. It's uh, it's really fascinating. We've talked to a handful of production companies over the years, but I think this one is a perfect example of dividing the different skill sets that a good production company needs to have in order to amortize costs. But also, we talk about how they scale and grow and how they kind of um, have managed to take uh, what used to just be a three-person band and expanded out into something that's much more uh, scalable and significant. Yeah. What's cool about them is the three founders were a director, a DP, and an art director. And so they kind of come from those three different worlds, and they mm-hmm. all work together in the promo world for ABC. And they, 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 we talk a lot about kind of what a promo is. You know, it's a commercial for a show, right, um, for a network. and. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different world than commercials, but it's also very similar. And that has gotten them to do a lot of commercial work and commercial slash promo work. They did this like awesome Cadillac campaign with Regina King. Uh, they did this documentary, uh, Bluebird, with like Taylor Swift. And they they even do like some kind of elevated companion content. You know, it's kind of they go behind mm-hmm. the scenes and shoot pieces that aren't just like, you know, footage of people filming, but actually interviews with the creators of the the of each show that they that they themselves get kind of kind of nicely really nicely done mm-hmm. um, companion pieces for the shows as promos because nowadays yeah. you know shows are just they're just marketed in a different way like nowadays a YouTube video about a show is potentially more valuable than a billboard you know mm-hmm. right yeah yeah it's interesting I I hadn't put it together until just this moment but I think that their trajectory as a company graphs perfectly with the way that companion content has evolved over the years you know when i was at comedy central we did a lot of that sort of work it was a lot of uh shoulder content we called it at the time it would be like amy schumer's got a new sketch show so we're going to do an additional spin-off sketch show with a few of the cast members or like the the head writer is going to get their chance at something and um but i think that riverside in particular has done a really fascinating job of 
managing to merge more traditional quote-unquote traditional like style uh shoulder content or companion content but elevated in a way that's pretty exciting so it's worth it to check out their website and kind of dig through things a little bit we'll have links to it on the website um but yeah it's worth it to maybe familiarize yourself with things if you're um uh, in front of a computer or, or on your phone or something go ahead and you know stop commuting pull over <laughs> take a right. look real quick um, wouldn't hurt yeah, it's riverside-ent.com is their website and uh I, the other thing that i really like about this conversation is you can tell that pastor and jeff are producers that really care about the content mm-hmm. and they care about like elevating their work and they care about you know because jeff is a dp like he values mm-hmm. an anamorphic lenses you know because pastor comes from art he values like really good production design and a lot of times mm-hmm. with production companies that are just kind of churning work you know a lot of times it's about the budget it's about the client and then the third priority is the is mm-hmm. the thing that you're making but they're really good at getting in ahead of time and, and making sure that that the work is quality and i actually did a commercial with them i actually don't even know if it's a commercial or a promo it was a i guess it's a promo because uh, pastor defined it as something that only airs on one network and what we shot only aired on disney channel but it was a commercial for Nintendo Animal Crossing on the Switch, mm-hmm, and it was a mm-hmm. and we featured two kids from a Disney Channel show playing this game. So we had Nintendo giving notes, we had Disney Channel giving notes, we had people from the show having to approve things. Um, and actually, I had I was going to do another promo with them for American Idol, and we had the animatic done, we had the schedule done, the crew, everything was ready to go. And then COVID happened. <laughs> um, yep. And I was so yep. bummed. And no one else seemed as bummed as me. And I think it's because they were all like on salary. <laughs> so for them, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess we're killing this project because we can't shoot, but we're going to do something else. And I was like, sure. What? Next. Yeah, that yeah. was my entry into the yeah, promo yeah. world. You just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Totally. <laughs> Um, but they're really cool. I love well, those guys. They're so great. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's, you know, it's nice. Um, to just kind of dig in with a, a couple of people who know the world the way we do, you know, like they see, uh, like you were saying, their quality first, um, but we kind of all share a working knowledge of the bureaucracies and, and the politics of creating great commercial work. And so I think it it's a really intimate and uh, thoughtful conversation. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of other interesting things going on. Matt is pitching a lot of stuff, working on a script. I'm at Disney World right now shooting something, and I'm supposed to have a baby next week. So if you have been listening to this podcast since I had my last baby <laughs> five years ago, sure. then you're a, you're a long hauler. You're a just That's shoot right. it long hauler. <laughs> and thank you for that. Um, yeah. And if you are a long hauler and you feel like you get something... this as a television show, Oren? When, when, when is like the... I've been wearing my Just yeah. Shoot It hat all over Disney World. No one has asked me about it yet. Yeah, um, yeah well, uh, shout out to ABC, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but if you have been listening for a while and you feel like you've gotten something out of this podcast, you should check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. It's a place where you can go uh, drop a couple bucks a month and help us out, help us pay our editors, help us pay everyone. We got a guest editor. Our old editor, Jay, is back and she's going to cut this episode for us. So we are very excited um, to get some money from the patrons. <laughs> And also, as the Patreon um, has raised, we've managed to get closer to something 
resembling a, a fair wage. Still drastically lower than it should be for all of the work that they do. But um, yes. we're trying to get it a little bit closer, basically. E- even even as the Patreon continues to grow, um, we still have figured out a way to not pocket <laughs> much of that money. <laughs> yeah, so patreon.com slash disshootitpod. If you give us 10 bucks, we will send you a Just Shoot It podcast hat. Which is what I'm wearing all over Disney World. It's the latest rage at Disney World. Well, with that, let's talk to Pastor and Jeff. Okay, guys, we're here with Pastor and Jeff of Riverside Entertainment. Howdy, howdy. Hey, hey. Hey, folks, we're interrupting this incredible episode of the podcast to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with, Front Row Insurance Brokers. One of the challenges of being a filmmaker is that there's a lot of risks that we take, and we really just want to focus on making good stuff. So what if there was a company that could take those risks, manage them for us while we are being artists? That's right. Front Row Insurance Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. They cover features, TV shows, documentaries, commercials, music videos, webisodes, basically anything you can watch on big media or phone-sized screens. Yeah, Front Row will help you focus on your artistic vision by transferring all the risks to them and minimizing your production hazards. And they cover any budget from $2,000 all the way up to $200 million. There's nothing that's too small or too big. If you are shooting in Canada, use coupon code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF for 50 bucks off your film production insurance. That's promo code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF to save 50 bucks. And if you're shooting in the U.S., that same code can be redeemed offline by mentioning it to a broker, by email, or over the phone. It's like a cool password if you're in the U.S. That's just shoot it 50 off. Check him out. Let us know how it goes. Hello. Based in Riverside, Welcome. California. <laughs> and Nashville, Tennessee. Um, why Why is it called Riverside? I have I have a story, but it's kind of like a, a creative story versus the real story. The real story is uh, when Brian, the other partner, and I were coming up with names for the company, we both met at Riverside in uh, Los Angeles at uh, the Burbank Studios. Um, and it just happened to be the only name that was available with a URL. So we were like, <laughs> it kind of works. My, my real story though is like, I always got inspiration walking my dog on the river. I love to kayak. So I also mm-hmm. believe that the rivers connect the cities between Los Angeles and Nashville. Uh, so that was part of it. And then uh, he actually had at water that he wanted to use. But since I was already out in Nashville for a year doing this, I was like, uh, I don't think you want to use a name that's uh, relevant to okay. Los Angeles because the Nashvillians don't take to the Los Angeles companies back then. So it's a little more adaptive now, but that's where it came from. Wait, what do you mean they don't take like there's a negative connotation to LA companies? Even there? when I first moved here, the way that I started the business, I had to uh I was getting no calls back with my or no calls um with my 323. So I got a Google voice number with a 615 that would redirect to my 323 oh, that's, that's so that funny. people would start answering my calls. But there was always a uh you know, a thing that people from LA were just kind of not easy to work mm-hmm. with out here and mm-hmm. this was a it's a small town it's a it's family these sets are family out here and they didn't like outsiders yeah i mean that makes sense i orin and i both do a decent uh, number of like travel jobs and i've heard producers many times say like oh don't worry he's from la but he's not so bad all the time like you, you have time. to you have to show that though because let's yeah. be honest there are I just a hear lot of people guys, say ah oh, he's from la 
And then they finish the sentence. And, they... <laughs> and then everyone's yeah. silent, and they they just. <laughs> what does what does Riverside Entertainment do? It's a really interesting time for us to talk to you because just in mm-hmm. the last week, we've been looking for select directors for a commercial that we are are have coming up, and we are kind of honing in what does Riverside do and how is it different Mm -hmm. than traditional production companies and other production companies and things like that? It's been an introspective week. We're looking inside ourselves to see like, who are we? And asking Mm -hmm. that question. Even though you guys have done a a million things, promos, commercials. What What we found out this week is that every company that you look at, the first page you go to, there's a list of their directors and that's the company is their directors. And that mm-hmm. is what makes up a lot of these production companies. And we're, you know, we have a roster of directors on our uh, website, but it is not, we don't have anyone exclusive. We really find a different director for every project. So um, I guess when you ask is like, what do we do? We're uh, a full service production company with creative ends to it. Uh, post-production facility that we use and uh, we do everything from promos commercials documentaries short form long form um, all over the place yeah and it's kind of rooted in how we started the company and that's why it's like we've grown so much in the past couple years but we really started this company as three creators it was three Mm -hmm. guys that left um being internal at a at a network and being behind the box or being behind the camera and doing the work ourselves. We were producer directors, uh, producer writers. Um, Jeff was a DP and we would all create all the content. So when we left and the company was started, we were all doing the work. So we would get a job. Jeff would DP it. I would produce it. Brian would direct it. And that's how we were doing most of the work. And that's how we kind of were building the company little by little. And that's because we left, we left a corporate job where we were running an internal studio. And then we started Riverside and I actually came on a year after the guys had started it and, and started doing the LA side, but they were already doing it in Nashville. And then we did that for a few years, right, Jeff? It was like maybe two, three. Two or three years, yeah. And what were you guys, were you guys like writing, directing, producing, doing everything? Everything. And and fighting, we were fighting with each other because we were paying ourselves Mm -hmm. with the rates that the people would make in those positions. We we had line items. It was a constant competition between us with... You know, me and Brian, because he's director, I DP, but who really did the directing? Who did the DP? Who, who, <laughs> sure. who designed the look? And oh, you're going to get a director rate and I'm going to get a DP rate, even though we work together. Like it was just. And then Pastor just paid a DP X amount of dollars. I was like, I'm better than that guy. And he's paying him twice yeah. as what I get paid. <laughs> yeah, we were we were hurting ourselves trying yeah. to be the creatives on the ground and and just mm-hmm. bottlenecking ourselves too because it came to a point where it was just like we couldn't take any more work because if I was DPing everything, I wasn't available to DP. So mm-hmm. what do we do now? And if Brian wasn't able to direct, it was like we just came to this epiphany like how are we ever going to grow in this model? It's not going to work. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think early on, it's like, oh, well, I'll work for that rate, right? Like we're investing in a company, we're trying to build, we're trying to grow, we're trying to put together a reel. And so that feels like a superpower to be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's like owning a restaurant and having your kids, you know, wash dishes in the back, right? It's like, 
you know, you're kind of like economizing in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, but then at a certain point, you realize that in order to scale, you can't just work that much harder. Like there's a there's a cap to how many man hours any person has in a day, right? And that also is something that, you know, you can't structure a company. You can't decide how who's going to decide how much money goes into the company versus how much you're paying them mm-hmm. in that structure. So it it really just wasn't something that was healthy for a business. It's it's healthy to start your business and get it off the ground, but when we made the decision, I mean, we our business did tremendous growth mm-hmm. afterwards. So the 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 biggest lesson we learned is, you know, if you want the growth, you take the step back. It's not always mm-hmm. most people think you're going to grow because you take on more positions and you take on more jobs, you do this, you do that, but it's actually kind of taking a step back. And I think mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. doing the delegating. Yeah, yeah. delegating's like the main thing, but also we also realized that, you know, while we can do all those positions, what we were really good at was the creative oversight and knowing how to like Mm -hmm. guide the creative and having other people do it because we came from an internal structure at a network where we had to answer to so many people. We came out with a good education, right? We were used Mm -hmm. to going out, shooting something, thinking creatively because we only had so much time to edit it. But also we had to go through legal pro- the legal process ourselves. We had to go through the releases process and all that kind of stuff. So we knew the whole system. And so um, we could then just sit on set with someone and bring in a director and just guide them through that. And mm-hmm. that's been something that we've really loved to do now, which is just take people under our wing, take them into a world that we have access to, which is, we can talk about it later, which is the promo world. And then work with them in that in that space, and and um, we can create stuff because we know the clients and we know how to work with them, and then we know how to do the creative mm-hmm. side. So we bring them together, and that's where the EP role comes in. Yeah, it, it's so funny because it, you know the more you work, the more you realize that those other the things they they don't teach you in film school are the things that put you ahead in the business, right? The, the ability to understand the politics of, an, of a bureaucracy and a giant organization. But even like you were alluding to, Pastor, the clearances and all that red tape, all the stuff that doesn't sound fun, right? When you're like 18 and you just want to like put your hands on a camera and go run around with your pals and shoot something. Um, that's the stuff that kind of separates people out. And so we all know a ton of great directors or very, very creative people, but it's the ability to kind of be creative within a corporate structure that helps you get your foothold in those early jobs, basically. Yeah, I think um, one of our good friends that we used to work with always said, you know, there's a nine lane highway and you have to just stick, stay in between those lanes and then just you know, mm-hmm. do the best you can. And then sometimes something I learned early on after I got out of like, when I started working for these kind of networks was like, it's not my short film anymore. So Mm -hmm. at at some Mm -hmm. point you do your first pass, you do the best, you show them the best thing possible, right? This is what I think is amazing. And then once the notes process starts, it's just like, now it's a collaboration. Let's all just get to the finish line together. Oh man. It's the same as a director on set with 18 clients and and agencies (laughs) and everything else. At some point the director has to just let go. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that, especially kind of 
I, you know, I worked with, with you guys one time and I've obviously talked to you guys about a lot of different things. And I think I have seen, because I have worked with a lot of different companies and Matt has too. Um, and we've worked with those companies that were, were like directors on the roster and we've worked with kind of companies more like you where you kind of work with freelancers. And to me, it does seem like the the producers that really care about you know, making something good, good color, good sound, good casting, pushing mm-hmm. for the extra goodies or making sure the story works or spending a little extra on the music because this is going to make all the difference. Even though they have to deal with the no, like client notes from 18 different people, they still end up making something that's just like stronger and, and better um, than the other producers with, you know, with some other companies where the producers are just like, yeah, well, the client approved it. This is it. And so, you know, even though... Um, I mean, Pastor called it a, a collaboration, and I feel like Je- Jeff, from your face, it seems like sometimes collaboration means just like being disappointed with mm-hmm. like all the notes that you have to do. Um, it's still like it's still this like creative fight, and and you guys get to show clients how good something can be. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's, you know that's cool, and I think part of the reasoning for that is because the way we came up through the system, we we were those guys that were getting those notes. Mm-hmm. And so now as an EP coming from the DP's position, I'm, I fight hard for what I want my DP to be able to get and the director as well. But when it comes to lensing options and things like that, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you, you constantly dealing with corporate, you know, uh, they want 16 by nine and you're like, look, you're asking for it to look filmic. Can we shoot this on anamorphic? And they're constantly saying, no, it's gotta be 16 by nine. We're like, no, oh, well, we'll shoot it on anamorphic. You can just punch in when you want to, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, and, and we fight for it. And, and in the end, the client loves it. And even the Bronco campaign was, I think originally supposed to be a 16 by nine deliverable. And we, we pushed on it and, and said all these things and they were like, Go for it. We trust you. And we earn the trust of ABC. And and the next one we did after that, the Nissan campaign, that was anamorphic. So it's they, they've learned to, what letterboxing can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. I was actually talking to Pastor and Jeff the other day about this exact thing. And uh, I forget, Pastor, what, how did you say? You said like if, for a car commercial to be taken seriously, it needs to be shot in anamorphic. Or- yeah, I think... Um, you go back and you look at all the best car commercials, the ones that you love the most, and mm-hmm. it really, you just notice that they're all shot um, anamorphic. And when you look at everything that you do for network TV, it's always shot 16 by 9. And we all we all shoot 16 by 9 so regularly, right? And so I think shooting metal, as everyone when mm-hmm. they shoot cars likes to say, we're shooting metal. Um, there's just you need to take it up a notch if you want it to stand out and not mm-hmm. not blend in with the the show that you're watching and what always has separated it is whenever you change your ratio um mm-hmm. and you know it's used as an effect now right you see it a lot in commercials or in movies and you know you go from a different ratio to from one ratio to the other and and it's an effect it's like we're taking you out of this and we're putting you into this new world mm-hmm. and i think that does it immediately for you in a car commercial and Plus, a car is just the ratio works really well for the vehicle mm-hmm. because it's long and sleek, and the lines are going from left to right or right to left, and they're 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 going across the frame. So um, 
Yeah, I think 16, there's a lot of things for it. 16 by 9 is the new 4 by 3. I mean, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's it's boy, it's just too much room. Well, that's funny. I yeah. feel like the four by three is the new four by three, right? <laughs> you know, we were we were working at ABC and working on content there whenever you know Snapchat came around, and then we were being asked to shoot vertically, and we were just like, that was like sure. whenever yeah. we were like trying so hard to shoot anamorphic and ratios, and then now they want us just to shoot vertical. We're just like what the the biggest problem is when we've talked about this on the show many times is when they want you to shoot 16 9 and 9 16 at the same time that's really mm. rough but you know i think er, those early social days we didn't have a ton of templates to follow there weren't a good examples to be like well look if you do a split screen or you know like what if we letterbox just this one shot it'll be okay like there's a lot of techniques that I think people have incorporated slowly over the last few years that really help with the shot composition for a nine by 16 spot that like, you know, uh, if you lay your groundwork early of like, Hey, we're going to play with the, the way that the formatting looks on the, on your phone. Don't worry. It'll be really cool. Let me show you some examples. Um, like if you can do that early, then that, that really helps. But like those early, early days, you're just like, Oh, I guess we'll just back the camera up super far. (laughs) This is terrible. Yeah, so. well, I think what you said, what you said there is really important. It's like, let me show you some examples. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, even like what, even what Jeff was saying earlier about having the trust, it's always about like, let me show you why. And you have to back it up without just being like, oh no, trust me. Sometimes it's like, no, let me show you why. And then you yeah, do, yeah. you know, what's really great about, I think both of you do this is like, you're really good at pre-visualization and showing mm-hmm. your client what it's going to look like. And that's super important. Um, versus just like, no, 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 trust me, it's going to be great. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say that all you want, but we're working in a visual medium, so you got to show people because they're going to react differently. That is you don't right. want that to happen in post. That is 100% the job of the director that you guys do now is that you guys are the creatives, the clients are not. You have to show them before you get on set what you're going to show up, what, what you're going to get them. That's how they understand it. It's like a picture book for them. They need it. They need the storyboards. They need the animatics. They need these things. And that that's what separates a lot of the directors that we work with that good and bad is the prep work. The prep work is everything from that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would even double down and say, like, if you can give them a few like things to be excited about and brag about and like maybe pre-sell to their bosses Mm -hmm. right like all of those people have bosses who are like oh you know how's the you know such and such project coming and if they can be like oh it's so funny i just got boards from the director it's going to be awesome look at what they're doing and and if you explain to them why they like it then they have something to brag about later and they a lot of times they take it as their own idea to and sell it through to their boss and you're like awesome yes Hell yeah. I can't believe That's you thought of that. That's that is the, the most brilliant. You know what? We should shoot anamorphic. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, that, that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I loved working with Jeff a lot when I was starting out um, because I would just repeat some of the things that he would tell me. He's like, oh, we're going to we're gonna get this beauty light. We're just, like, sure, when the Hudson yeah. Spider came out, it was like, oh, let's sure, buy the yeah, Hudson yeah. Spider and it'll be a beautiful light and then we'll use it. And then I'll be like selling it an interview set up to someone's like, oh, don't worry, we're going to have continuous light. We're going to have a continuity by having all the interviews lit the same with a beautiful light that we have, this new mm-hmm. Hudson Spider. As soon as they hear that you start throwing out terms like that, then they're just like, oh, 
Oh wow, yeah. The Hudson I've Spider. Had a, lot, a lot of talent will be like, Oh, I want the spider, actually. Are you it, serious? Yeah, a hundred percent. Why does Yuki dislike that light so much? What are you talking about? Yuki owns two of them. <laughs> yeah, because they rent out. And he's like, yeah, Pastor always just wants to light everything with a spider, so I just just bought a few so I can rent them. Just for for listeners at home that haven't used this light, it literally does kind of web out like a spider. It's like got kind of these like LED arms, and it kind of is in like a big star configuration, and it is not on like a like a ring light or something like that it, it like just makes a nice big soft ambient light it's great for for um uh, interviews we actually used it on ellen all the time it's like it's a cheap stop, it's a cheap travel breezy it yeah. you, mm-hmm. you no one can afford the breezy like you yeah. you can't fit that anywhere you can fit this light in a small studio <laughs> environment and get beautiful lighting <laughs> from it it's, yeah, the breezy is still great, great, great light to use. It's just that, you know, that bulb is expensive and you need to have it set up before you get it at the stage. And it's like, now we can take this beauty light with us on the road and it fits in a case. And mm-hmm. then if we can do all sorts of stuff with it, boom. How much does it cost? If I had to buy one light, is that five grand. Say I should buy five grand. Is that yeah. really? Oh, you okay. can, well, that's five. That's more than five I five to eight with some accessories and stuff. I, I I will mention that some of the stuff that we do is in the marketing world, right? And so a lot of it tends to be interviews, mm-hmm. and you're not going to take a breezy to an interview on an interview budget. So um, the the Hudson Spider has been a really good source or a really good use in that kind of scene, but also like we end up having a lot of A-list talent and mm-hmm. you want to be prepared with something that's going to make them look amazing. And so right, right. the Hudson Spider can also be used like as a beauty light. You can use that's a, what's great about it. Uh, you can lo- use a light panel for that. You can use a lot of lights for beauty lights. This thing is, is quick and easy to set up. It's, it breaks down so you can travel with it easier than a big light mat. Um, and honestly, what Pastor just said, we're, we're coming at you from the producer side of things, too. We, we like mm-hmm. to make things look really good. But when we were using, you know, Blackmagic Ursa Minis, everyone was like, oh, I hate that camera. It's so stupid. You know, I was a DP and I would put up my shots with that camera against guys that were shooting with Alexis. And mm-hmm. I just knew mm-hmm. how to light for that camera. And you're talking yeah, to no guys doubt. that don't know lighting as much. And it was like. Look, you can complain about what the camera did in low light and things like that. I wouldn't take it into those situations. But if I'm lighting an interview, sure. I guarantee yeah. I can make my interview look just as good as an Alexa with a Breeze with everything else, with my Black Magic and my Hudson Spider. It's it's just knowing how to use these tools. Yeah. At 100%. the end of the day, it's just a tool. And just to reiterate, we are Black Magic fans and we have a lot of Black Magic <laughs> Ursa Mini Pros. And that was our go to workhorse camera. I mean, Jeff can tell you that he shot a whole documentary feature on it that's on our site yeah. called the Bluebird Film. I and still directed by that. our our directed by the our one partner with Taylor Brian. Swift in it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about um, what you guys were mentioning before about the marketing and the promo side, because I think we haven't talked a ton about what promos even really are, um, because Orin and I do so many commercials, but just to kind of, everyone listening certainly has seen a million promos in their lives, but maybe not known exactly uh, the difference between a promo and a commercial. So uh, illuminate our listeners. Tell, tell us about what a promo is in your world specifically. So we were working at ABC. And so as we all know, ABC is one of the, 
the networks along with like CBS and NBC and Fox. And now you have um, all these other cable networks and they all have shows that just air on their network, right? Well, they also have a commercial, if you will, but they are Mm -hmm. called promos that promote that show. And you see those throughout um, the airtime on their, on their networks. So that's technically what it is. It's a promo is a, a commercial that promotes the show that you're about to watch that airs on that network only though. It doesn't air on, you know, mm-hmm. an ABC promo doesn't air on CBS or a CBS promo doesn't air on ABC. So they're they're just uh, kind of just stays inside of its network and promotes their shows. I would also add that it, it promotes across their IP, Pastor. So if you've mm-hmm. got Disney, which owns yeah. every network there is, you've got ABC, mm-hmm. now Fox, ESPN, Nat Geo. Those promos are promoting their other networks, their other IP as well. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Disney is and a And a lot of times case. you guys are co-branded right like we did a nintendo thing together with right. disney channel and you just did uh so the nissan stuff with in, abc uh, honestly you can talk about bronco bronco is most people think yeah. Bron- ford bronco was a commercial that we did because it was launching the bronco that was an integrated promo that was kip moore was chosen by the network to promote the cmas and abc uh, does the cmas so that is the beauty of what we kind of do as a company is we take those integrated promos and we try and hide the integration as much as possible and yeah. make you feel like mm-hmm. you're watching the film that we did or a commercial that we do where you don't even realize that it's promoting a show. You, No one would know mm-hmm. that the Ford Bronco spot was actually promoting the CMAs with Kip Moore. And the other two were promoting ESPN and Nat Geo. So the, there's the integrated promos, and then there's the kind of more uh, traditional, uh, like, montage Perhaps maybe there's, like, some interview pieces or things like that. But, like, something where it's like, oh, we've got the talent that's, like, a, it's a little bit more of the traditional network pr- cross-promo, basically, of, like, so-and-so from Modern Family, you know, like, stay tuned, you know, crazy hijinks ensue or something like that. So you guys kind of do everything. It's like a it's a pretty broad spectrum of of different types of integrations that you guys are doing, but all kind of within the same purview of uh, the network sort of uh, bureaucracy. Basically, that's kind of your su- superpower. It sounds like basically, it's kind of like where we came from and where we got started. And um, as the company has grown, we still do it, and then mm-hmm. we've moved into advertising and more through agency world but as well Mm -hmm. as like also kind of sticking to doing series digital series which is telling story more so the marketing stuff is marketing but our background is really in telling story and in the short form and heading into more long form and so we have to balance it right you know marketing pays it's uh, the bread and butter it keeps the lights on and then we get to do like a feature doc which is mm-hmm. us being able to exercise the storytelling muscles. And those are that's where we love to be a lot of the time. But, you know, when you're running a production company, you have to have the other projects. And our niche came, we came from the network world. And that's where mm-hmm. we always are. We always will stay true to that. And then we get to do all these other things because of them. Yeah. I just watched this Bronco spot. It's so good. I mean, it looks so good. Uh, your website does not allow volume control, so I can't <laughs> can't watch it without having it blasted through my brain. Um, but it looks so good, and I think like something interesting, kind of going back to what we were talking about anamorphic and what you were just talking about, 
um, something that we talk about on the show all the time, Matt and I is kind of leveling up and like, how mm-hmm. do you, how do you go from, you know, TV promos, like interview style things to like full blown, like Super Bowl commercials. Or, or even how do you expand your initial relationships and grow them into people that you maybe didn't work with beforehand or things like that? You know, like you, ha- you start with wherever you start with, but like, how do you kind of continue to grow that? Uh, that culture, that group, that um, and that work all at once. Sometimes when you when you are shooting anamorphic, even though you have a really small budget, or you are making a Bronco promo that feels like a high budget commercial, like to me, those are those are kind of the things that help you level up because you're showing mm-hmm. people that even though you're doing a promo, you are very much capable of doing like a broadcast TV spot. You know, there there is that world. Um, my fear in saying that the leveling up would come from showing the quality of work, like the anamorphic lens and, and things like that, is uh, there's a lot of uh, rich kids now who own production companies and have that equipment, sure. and they're doing that, and they're they're doing that with you know fifteen thirty thousand dollar commercials have master anamorphics on them with a Sony Venice and, you know, full genie pack. And you're just like, did you make any money off of this project? So I do think there, this industry is about relationships. It's about trust. It's about luck. It's about all of those things. Those are the most important things is that the way, you know, it's, it's being in the right place at the right time and meeting somebody who needs something at that specific time. And the person next to them is like, these guys are great. You should use them and you get that opportunity. And if you can seize the opportunity and you can actually make that project work and, and do well, they keep coming back for more. And then because mm-hmm. we are in the network world with a network like Disney, ABC, there's so many divisions in that that people from outside the network world don't realize that there's six different divisions that are sometimes shooting the same day or the next mm-hmm. days that don't know that the other one's shooting that. So there's there's a huge roster within the networks, the outreach that you don't just say, you can't just look up right now, who's the promo department from ABC? We just explained probably right. four departments that we work with within ABC. And then on top of that, there was Disney, there's FX, there's uh, Fox. Mm-hmm. They were all connected through that ABC relationship. So it's really kind of nurturing the relationships you have and, and just making your clients feel comfortable using you. And once they feel comfortable, they start spreading the word. Right. Well, and I, I think to your point, like that's that's the part that, uh, you know, a rich kid can't fake Mm -hmm. right like like everyone's born with a different set of circumstances some people get a a camera for for graduation and some people get you know a pile of student debt right but the bottom line is like the work will only get you so far there's all of those other steps that it takes to like accountability you know collaboration all of the things again that you know it takes a little bit of experience but also like a different type of skills, like soft skills basically, um, that really help filmmakers rise to the top basically. Yeah, I think um, we definitely have a unique story, a different path that we took. I think um, coming out of school, a lot of people see the different 
options as like being a filmmaker, uh, directing a film, indie films and stuff like that, going into writing a TV show or doing commercials or doing music videos. All those four buckets are completely different. I think a lot of people don't know about the promo world, um, but you got to like kind of step back and think like, okay, if you have a degree in this, it's like, where, where can I apply this? And there's so many places to apply it now in this new world that mm-hmm. we live in. Um, the promo world is something that I always love to bring people into that are in the commercial world or in the music video world, because we want to bring that kind of tone and feel and mm-hmm. energy into the promo world. And, um, we always try to find directors that can do that and introduce them to that and be like, Hey, come play in the sandbox over here. Mm-hmm. But we also want to be playing in that sandbox over there. Like, Jeff mm-hmm. and I are always like, oh, yeah, we love doing promos. We want to go do that over there. And we want to sure. do that. And we're always, they're all like stepping stones. You have to just get a lot of stuff under your belt. And I think Jeff and I and Brian, everything we did that was small, we kind of put everything into it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like your passion project. And after one, you get the next one and you get the next one. And then it goes from doing one thing to the next. But at the core of it all is always just like storytelling. And so if you're just practicing how to tell that story, whether it's telling a story in 30 seconds, 15 seconds, two minutes or five minutes, you have to be able to tell that story because it doesn't matter if you have the anamorphic or not. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, if you watch that Kit Moore piece, the story's good. There's a story and it's actually told visually with like the way that he's acting in it, but also with the way the vehicle is doing what it's doing. So there's a metaphor there, right? There's this comparison. Mm-hmm. And so that was discussed that was part of the story and jeff was really integral in that and so it all comes down to that and then yes you get to have the fun toys sometimes and do something really cool and if you've practiced enough then you'll execute it or you might have a little tough time in the post room and i'm sure (laughs) jeff can talk about post but um that's that's what i would say i'd also say that for anyone that's trying to start their own company when we were starting our company I would tell Pastor and Brian, hey, I just got uh, called to DP this show called Real Country. You guys care if I go do this for a month? And they're like, no, go do it. And I would form so Mm -hmm. many relationships on that show and bring them back to, oh, hey, yeah, we I also own a company on the side. And if you guys are ever doing something in Nashville, let me know. And that spawned work. They were like, oh, hey, yeah, I got something that's coming up in Nashville. I'll hire you guys to do it. There was a new client Mm -hmm. like use your skill. If you're a camera guy, if you're a DP, whatever, to meet the producers on it. That's how this company started. I was I moved out to Nashville and was a DP. And then I just started seeing people bringing in whole crews into Nashville. And I was like, hey, look, I know the guys that work here. Why don't I just produce this for you? And they were like, Mm -hmm. that mean we don't have to bring this whole crew in. And I was like, no, I mean, I can just crew it locally for you and we can help the economy here and we can do it cheaper because you're not having to fly everyone out and they were like that's brilliant why don't you just produce that for us and that's how this all began Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because you guys have offices in nashville and and in los angeles how does that work is it is it a two-headed dragon is it kind of like are you bouncing back and forth what's the what's the plan there so the company started in nashville with jeff and brian and then i left and joined a year after they started it And the reason that 
it all kind of worked out was because they're in Nashville, but there's still a lot of work in LA. And so mm-hmm. having someone in LA was really beneficial, uh, whether it's to do meetings back in the day when there were more meetings. Now Zoom has really, you know, helped mm-hmm. just break that that obstacle. But, um, you know, we we all liked the fact that we could have LA stuff thrown back to Nashville. And that's something that we really love is like, if I get a project out in LA and we can send it to Nashville, I'll try to do that because there's more production value for, uh, for less of a budget, right? Mm-hmm. For a smaller budget, we can get more production value. And that's not to say that it's just cheaper. It's just, it's also just a different look. And so mm-hmm. some, if you watch commercials, um, in LA, you start to recognize the same sure. streets, the same driving routines for car shots, um, the same, you know, landscapes. Yeah, second the street same, tunnel. Second street tunnel. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. even the same houses. Oh, that was the kitchen from another commercial I just shot in. You know, you start to recognize it. Well, you can send, I can send a project over to Nashville and Jeff will take it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't have to close down a bridge and he can shoot a, com- a concert on a bridge. Um, and it's completely open to the public, but the production value is like astronomical. There are a lot of bridges in Nashville. That's there true. Are, yeah. There's a tremendous number. <laughs> and, and I think it costs us a hundred dollars to shut down the bridge when we needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm writing an indie film and all takes place on a bridge. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, I don't know if I, I really answered the question, but it, the way that we work is now is that we have two offices. I produce mm-hmm. LA projects and Jeff produces the national projects. And mm-hmm. and look, COVID just taught everyone. It doesn't matter where you are. Like n- no one needs an office to be somewhere. They, we can be anywhere in any time. We do stuff mm-hmm. all over the United States. Pastor's doing stuff in Canada right now. And it doesn't matter that he's not there. You can, you can, get your core team there and you can fly there, support them and go back. But it's not, it, you know, Nashville is so, you know, centrally located between New York, Miami, LA. I can get anywhere so much faster than the flight from New York to LA that it's like, Oh, Hey, pastor's got something in New York. I'll, I'll fly up there and I'll handle it for you. Pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Um, this might be too personal, but like when you have three partners in a business, how do you, pay yourself does everyone just get paid the same Mm -hmm. same yeah that was that whenever we all decided not to take on line items and a budget we all decided all right equal you know three-way split and then we started putting all the budget in into the jobs and we brought on producers and directors and stuff like that and we were just EPing, but we made it equal so that we all worked just as hard and, and, and that's not too personal. I think it's something people should learn that, you know, people should hear. And we, you know, we've had our accountants say, you guys pay yourself too little on your salary. And we don't, we pay ourselves a low salary and then we bonus ourselves when we do well. So if mm-hmm. our company does well, we do well. So that's always been something that we have, as all three of us been cohesive in the fact that we want to put the money into this company. We want to build this company and longevity is far more than being rich right away when you start a company. Like it's, it's keep your overhead as low as possible. We don't have any brick and mortar. 
we literally mm-hmm. were about to sign a lease on a brick and mortar right before COVID hit. And then we were like, thank God we didn't sign that thing. Because <laughs> you know what? I don't feel like driving there either. None of us feel like actually going to an office every day. We lose that time that I can sit on my emails and get stuff done. It's it's a just it's a new time where you don't have to be stuck at your computer all day long. You can you can do your laundry while you're working and it's mm-hmm. it, it makes your life outside of work that much easier to obtain as well. I guess I have a question for both of you. Like how many times did you go into the office at with whatever production company you were working with to go work out of there or did you just stay home? Oh yeah. I well it kinda it depends the the places where i was working regularly i would i would go there pretty frequently but yeah i i was there a lot actually the college humor and ellen i would i like had space basically um but but more commercially not at all yeah yeah i yeah. think we're going we're starting a new series we just uh, we're in the works of getting a series off the ground and i wrap my head i'm trying to wrap my head around it sometimes we're like all right well does this mean that we'll have to get together every once in a while? And mm-hmm. the idea of it sometimes is like, oh, maybe we'll we'll keep it remote, and then when we need to get together for big like group powwows mm-hmm. and stuff like that, maybe we do like the we work like we work or something or yeah. like the new yeah. house type of thing. But yeah, um, I think a lot of people have realized during this pandemic that um, the freedom to be able to spend the time with your family if you have a family or just to be able to do those other things in between the calls mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. sometimes allows you to just have a more balanced work-life balance that and that's so important yeah yeah no without a doubt i was gonna say um that there had been times when i would want to go into a space and the producers would be like um are you just gonna sit there and work all day because like we need to go run around and stuff like they there was it felt like they needed to like take care of me or be there to answer questions or whatever they felt obligated basically when i was there in a way that like i think they were sometimes relieved when i would just go you know to a coffee shop and board with someone i, I ask a lot of really needy questions well what and I'm saying, guys. Yeah, he's needy. that there is yeah. a twofold to this where from a collaborative standpoint being around the people that you work with in the mm-hmm. same room it's, it is nice to have that collaboration. And that's one thing we, I wish we had more sometimes as a company with our development arm of the company. Um, but there's, there's the other side of it. You know, when we all worked at ABC, all everyone, it was all white walls. Everyone had their own office mm-hmm. and it really didn't expand creativity like it does when, I literally have been on my kayak on calls and I've been like, oh man, I just thought of the best. What if we did this with the shoot? And it's just because you're in your what environment. What if it took place in a kayak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I have kind of like the total opposite kind of mentality on all, all of this stuff. Like I don't like the Zooms. I don't like being home all day. I love my family, but I don't. Uh, feel like I'm very productive when they are around me. Um, I feel like I work way more at night because I'm just like always working 24 hours a day. Uh, so I miss that. I used to, I worked at Disney full time, 
many years ago and we would go into the office and it was all, you know, we had like a little writer's room. And there were a few directors on the staff and we had a production designer and DP on staff and it was awesome. I mean, we, we would go into the edit room, we'd sit with them, we'd have lunch together, we'd have ideas, we'd pitch new things. Like you I play feel some like ping pong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nerf gun fights. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we didn't do that stuff, but we, you know, but we were like fighting and working and enjoying and celebrating and birthdays. And I don't know, there was a camaraderie that um, in the commercial world I've never quite found. And at the end of last year, I had this really big project, like probably the logistically most complicated project I've ever had uh, commercially. And I just, I honestly just felt like all alone the whole time, even though there was a production company and there was like great AD and a great producer and great, you know, casting director and everyone had a great team, great DP, but I just was never with them. So I just kind of never knew. I was just at home with spreadsheets trying to figure out shot lists and order and how we're going to get everything and if the music is going to work and all this stuff. And I just, I felt so siloed alone. Yeah. Like, and creatively, you know, I I don't care if I have to go bored with the storyboard art. It's just the two of us. And then, you know, we split up and come back together. But I just like, when I'm working on a project, I like to be next to people, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just to be like, Oh, Hey, what do you think of this thing? You know? Oh yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. Like, like those conversations you don't have whenever now it's like, a zoom with seven people and half my ideas. I don't even mention to anyone because like the meetings running over, you know? I, so I, I, I like love the camaraderie of being in a, in a space together and like the, like leaning into someone's office and being like, Hey, did you watch WandaVision last night or whatever? <laughs> you know, like I, I need wow. that for my creative juice. Otherwise I'll just like watch YouTube videos all day and try to hide from my daughter. I could, I think because pastors in LA and I'm in Nashville, it works for us. And that's where, because mm-hmm. we're always bouncing back and forth ideas off of one another and we're helping each mm-hmm. other because we're, we're the two involved in the promo commercial space. Whereas our other partner, he's in development, but yes, it definitely does. We, we could not talk to each other, the, our development partner, Brian, for two weeks and at a time. And we're like, Hey, what's going on with development? And he's like, Oh yeah, we just sold two shows. And we're like, Oh cool. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I wake up um, at eight o'clock or, se- or I wake up at seven over here and Jeff is two hours ahead. So I start getting texts and calls from Jeff. And so I'll be making <laughs> yeah, my yeah. coffee with my phone and I'll be just <laughs> chatting with him because sometimes like I like talking to him in the morning. And that just means that I end up finishing my day like around five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I try to be done by five because I try to get up early and try to work with with Jeff and and be around whenever he's having those creative conversations with me and we also just end up we're both creative so we end up bouncing ideas off of each mm-hmm. other and just mm-hmm. talking to each other and then whenever a director is involved then it's me having that relationship with the director so I don't know, Oren, if I've made you feel like you couldn't call me. <laughs> you got to have Oren in your man cave now. No, yeah. but I did I did come to your office, and that was really fun, and we did go scout together, and we did the, those things together. I mean, I think it's really exacerbated by yeah. COVID and quarantine, sure. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so what's next? You, I think at the beginning of this conversation, you guys were saying you're having like yeah. an existential reawakening or something. Um, I think it's always the question of like trying to differentiate yourself from everyone else. (laughs) You know, everybody's doing, we're, we're one company, right? But you're in LA right now and Jeff's in Nashville, but in each one of the, in each city, there's, you know, a 
a lot of companies like us that are doing something. So like what sets us apart? And as a company, whenever you're, you're, you start being the ones that do everything, you're constantly learning and growing. And so I, you know, we haven't, we don't have, there's no map or there's no book that tells you how to do it. So we're learning as we go and we're doing, making big decisions. And then every month in a while you step, have to step back and look at what you've created and think about where you want to go next. And, and that's, you know, that's just one of the, the many exercises you do every year. <laughs> we're just in the middle of and it right now. I think, you know, to every DP, to every camera, to every person who gets lost out there on Instagram and starts looking at other people's work and feeling insecure and feeling like, why is that person working? To anyone who looks at our company and says, man, these guys are crushing it. We're doing the same thing. We're, we're looking at other people's work and we're going, man, that, mm-hmm. that work is awesome. I wish I had, oh, I wish we could do that. I wish we could do that. And we're self-reflecting on our own work and saying, God, I wish we would have I wish we would have done this better or done that. And, you know, it, it never changes. You're always looking to be better and to succeed. Mm-hmm. The ones who will succeed are the ones who are, are looking at those people and judging. And to, to anyone who's doing that, uh, my advice to all the, the guys that work for us and, and they say like, oh, man, I wish you would have had me on that project. I always say to them, look, that was their time. And... Two weeks ago, you were just at an awesome spot. You you just had your time. So you give them their time and then your time will come back around and it just keeps coming back around. And just mm-hmm. know that when when you're looking at their stuff and you're feeling like, oh, man, I wish I was doing it. Just open up your your laptop or book or just go go do something that you want to do outside of looking at work and just enjoy mm-hmm. your life and and it'll come that that work will come book a vacation it's the best way to book a job <laughs> book a vacation the next yeah, day you're going to get a phone call that it's like that is the you truth. you that were like i truth. i spent six months planning this trip and then the day before you're about to go they're like hey by the way we just got your epic job that's about to be thrown sure. in your lap um yeah, yeah, have a have a baby. Have and, a baby. Uh, I guarantee you, the due date, the week of your due date, is uh, is going to be the best job offer you've ever gotten across the <laughs> 100%. country. hundred <laughs> percent, and and that'll never stop. Um, well, everyone that that's listening should definitely check out uh, riverside entcom uh, because I think uh, everyone seeing your site will. Th- We'll think that you are crushing it. For what it's worth, I did a the small Cadillac spot, and they showed us your Cadillac spot. It's kind of like the goal, the holy grail of what a Cadillac spot should look like. Um, so I think you guys are doing doing pretty well. That Cadillac spot could be its own podcast. That Cadillac spot put put me in the damn hospital after it was over from anxiety. Oh man, <laughs> that that's my Matt and I sometimes disagree on this, but I feel like. At the end of the day, people watch what you made and they decide if they should hire you or not. Um, whether it put you in the grave or whether it was like the greatest, easiest experience there was. Or it's matter. just like, it doesn't matter. If I die, it's worth it for the well, commercial. And I'm like, no, don't die, Oren. Well, Matt and I, I think, are both kind of relatively nice on set. We're like nice to people and understanding and collaborative and... Matt sees that as like an advantage and I see that as a disadvantage because I think <laughs> at the well, end of the day, it, like the, all those compromises make 
a lot of times make things the, a little the, bit There's worse. a difference between teamwork and people pleasing, and it is a tightrope that you are. Oh, that's a, that's sure. a very good point. Yeah. I like what you guys are talking about there. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. Like you do have to know when to push back, and and sometimes you win those battles, and sometimes you don't. We've but, been on you know. set with certain directors that might not be used to the client ways, mm-hmm. and they think that they're going in there to direct the most amazing <laughs> spot that they just spent weeks putting a treatment together for. <laughs> and it's it's our job to help them realize that, yeah, we're sorry, they're right as well, sure. and you're right, and we have to right. find that middle ground of how to please both sides. I think those young directors who were like, ah, I'm a visionary, how could you ruin my my short film that's actually a commercial eventually hopefully either they quit or they end up learning how to just kind of you know how important that prep is basically jeff to your Mm -hmm. point it's like if you can lay that groundwork early get everybody on the same page then maybe you get a little bit closer to that that vision that you have in your head and and um because our job is still to make an awesome spot it's just that fighting with a client isn't gonna get you you're you're, but you're fighting because the client doesn't it's typically because if you can get it done in that, if you can, you can explain it in the prep, then you're not usually fighting mm-hmm. it on set. It's when it's a right. shock to somebody, it's those spontaneous shocks. That's what the fight usually begins with. So that's where we yeah. kind of try and get that stuff done in the beginning to help the directors when they're on set, get what they do want to get out of it. The, the question that I think a lot of our listeners at home are wondering is they're young directors how do how do you guys find people to work with how like how like someone's driving along and they're like oh these guys sound great i live in nashville i want a job you know what i mean like hook me up how how are you sourcing people how does that please, process work for you guys? please please reach out because we're we're i that's the part of this job that i don't like the most is finding the directors i mm-hmm. like just people reaching and out how, how should they reach out just how should just they reach out email us there's uh you can email me directly jeff at riverside-ent.com you can fast or smiling he's like don't give it out but i'm like you know <laughs> I, it's on the website. I, I was gonna say go to the contact page on our site and send it an email we all get it and we all read them mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. and what what should yeah. they send what should, what like because i think there'll be people who are maybe not quite ready for you guys yet. And there'll be some people who are like well, ready to rock. That's what are funny, the things you looking for? It's funny that you say that they're not ready for us. And I just want to mention one thing about the promo world. And there's so many facets to the promo world. And one of the areas that we do a lot of work in, and a lot of people might not might look down to it, is like we have a, a lot of BTS projects that we've done mm-hmm. for networks. And right. I love using those as a learning tool to see mm-hmm. how good somebody is. Um, mm-hmm. If I can put them in to do something like that or a DP or um, a young director or young producer, we've used those as like stepping stones to like see how someone works on set and then mm-hmm. moving That's them great. to the next. Um, you know, everybody wants to do the car commercial, but you just can't give everyone the car commercial. But mm-hmm. you can start working with them in other, in other jobs. And so... The fact that we do promos, there's a lot of facets to the promo world, and that's one of them. Like I said earlier, interviews and stuff like that. And that's really like when we put someone on those jobs, if they tell us, you know, we don't do that kind of stuff, all right, cool. I won't 
fine, I won't push you on sure. it, but I'm going to work with this other person. And if I like working with them, I'm going to put them on the Rolling Stones piece that comes in mm-hmm. the next mm-hmm. day because, hey, they did a great job on, uh, on that project for me. And they, I can see that they want to work. They are mm-hmm. good and they want to learn. And that just is the person Amen. that I want to work with. Amen. So when you guys are getting these emails, you're looking for like maybe a little bit of BTS work, maybe some evidence that you've been on like a a sort of like professional set. It's not even BTS work. It's just like looking at some work, work that mm -hmm. we can say like, oh, this person is capable. I'll also say just to save your guys's inbox, um, (laughs) keep them nice and short, you know, just like a, a handful of links like, hey, I'm really proud of X, Y and Z. And here's why. Here's my contact information. Yeah. I think um, I'm always looking for ways to bring people up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the little bit that I can, right? Because I feel like I always got shat on or I never got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, or I had, well, I think Jeff and I both had to work our way up. We were never handed anything. Mm-hmm. I did 10 years as a prop master um, mm-hmm. working in films and TV, and that was my film school. And then. I came to LA and I got an opportunity and I was able to get back on track. So, you know, um, I, I don't want to go off too off tangent, but like I, I have a soft spot for like someone that sends me something. I'm like, Oh, this person, this person has some okay work. I mean, maybe we can put them on this job and just see how they do or bring Mm -hmm. them on, um, and give them, give them an opportunity. And I think right now with the way with, um, diversity and inclusion in the film industry it's really important and i i I read everything i watch stuff and i try to watch it at night whenever i can and i try to figure out like okay i can't put this person on a car commercial but i can put them on um, behind the scenes of that car commercial and they can learn it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, we are yeah. always looking for uh, cinematographers or cameramen or directors that want to go tell a story um, and can do it on set of one of our shows to learn. Um, you know, we have producer, a very creative producer that we work with, and she did a really amazing short film in college. Then we met her when she was working with us at ABC, and then you know um, we reconnected after she left and she hadn't been working on film but she had been doing a couple jobs here and there and then we just brought her in i was like oh you you can tell story i know you can tell Mm -hmm. story i've seen you tell story i'm gonna put you on this series and we we're working we've been working with her for over two years and you know she did the bts piece for the cadillac commercial and this is a great story we're doing a cadillac commercial regina king is the main actress regina king yeah. And then we have our creative producer doing the BTS, which is just mm-hmm. an interview. The BTS gets shown to the client and they love it so much that they end up wanting to cut it and put it on as a commercial as well. And so they not cut only another have, Cadillac spot they already had airing the second mm-hmm. spot they had during the Oscars premium content. They cut the spot they had there and they put hers in place. Wow. So then she gets doing the BTS. Yes, we call it BTS, but she is so good at interviewing people and so good at talking to people that she got such great answers from Regina King that that's what made that piece great. And it's, you know, all the answers from Regina King are also in our reel and stuff like that. It's just like, it's she's just really good at working with people. And now she's been doing marketing commercials, uh, spots for us, promo spots for us, because she wants to do more narrative work. 
but mm-hmm. she's been cutting her she's cutting her teeth on what she can get right now which is you know working with us and we can give her a lot of interview stuff so she's like our go-to interviewer and is this and, Whitney yeah. yeah this is Whitney like every time we say like oh put Whitney in there she can she can pull a story out of anyone um, yeah, yeah. That's and that's great. what I say that's about awesome. like where interviews are great because like if you can talk to someone and get them to to, to do a really good interview um, it's just that you're a really good people person and then you know when it comes mm-hmm. to acting and working with actors it's it's working with people and, and having a mm-hmm. connection and that and so she's a great director those are those are the people we want contacting us mm-hmm. you know like I just said to you Orin I literally just went and did a Wrangler thing where I was the camera guy and all the crew that was on the spot was like don't aren't you like don't you own a company or an EP and you're running around with a camera I'm like I love doing this man this is what mm-hmm. this is what mm-hmm. I look for and other people to do and if I didn't know how to do it how am I supposed to be over somebody who's doing it so we're looking for the guys that don't have an ego and they're just like we got a director that works for us and he's like, yeah, I'll DP direct and do all that stuff for you just because he's like, I just love doing what I do. And that's we're, we're, the, the whole ego check thing. I think hopefully COVID has, has shunned some of it with people. But, you know, sometimes I don't care. I'm sweeping up. I'm doing things on my sets. Mm-hmm. I sweep up and I stay until everyone's gone off my sets. And one time my, my DP was holding the camera and the interview went so long. He's like, starts to shake. I was like, dude, give it to me. And I grab it and I just take it. And I'm like, just stand behind the monitor. Watch. Like, You're like, you hold this broom and sweep. While I yeah, you, up you sweep up over there. I got the camera. But it's like, it's just that, that mentality of just, you're never too big. Rolling up your you're sleeves. never too big yeah, yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, uh, are you guys down to hang out with us for some unpaid endorsements? Yeah. Unpaid endorsements. I have a couple uh, things. Um, one is, and Jeff, you're going to think this is so dumb, but I, I'm I'm a director that likes to shoot things. I'm not. I'm definitely not a DP, but I've always, like, when I've had, I got the Sony A7S III. I've talked about it on the podcast all the time. Um, and uh, I... You know, everyone always says you need to put a cage on your camera to make it professional. And I was uh, always very <laughs> resistant to it. Um, but I finally bought a cage and it let me do this thing that um, you would also hate, uh, which is I can mount my camera uh, in vertical now on my tripod because it has this cage. So uh, if you're looking for a cheap way to do that, you could either get like a 90 degree bracket that's like 50 bucks or you can buy this cage that's like 40 bucks and it'll also let you do all these other things with it. So. That's uh, my first endorsement is getting like a cheap cage at B&H Photo Which for whatever ca- camera you're using. Which I have, cage I have the did small you buy? rig one. Small rig. Small rig. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the second thing I'm going to recommend is uh, this Twitter, uh, this person on Twitter, uh, his or her name, I think his name is Anis Naim, and he uses Blender um, you know, this 3D software that I really enjoy to make like the craziest looking car animations that look totally hand drawn. I'm going to paste one into our Zoom cool. chat right now so you guys can see how nuts it is. But he does these, he kind of tries to make these renders oh and animations to, that just make things look fast. He's trying to convey mm-hmm. speed through line art. And he does a really amazing job. And this tweet I just sent you guys is just like one example. He made like this whole short film that's like 
um, awesome. If you scroll through his Twitter account, you'll see all sorts of awesome things. So he, uh, it's A-N-N-I-S-N-A-E-E-M, honest name. And he is selling some of his art, you know, and on the NFT marketplace sure. thing. And he's, he's into that a little bit too, but his... Orrin, are you going to make an investment? <laughs> Absolutely not. Join the blockchain. Um, I believe... <laughs> I believe that it is a, a bubble, <laughs> just like just like Beeple believes it's a bubble. <laughs> yeah, a bubble. Um, yeah. Okay, that's all I got. Awesome. Okay, so Jeff, yeah. what are you endorsing? I am endorsing this uh, DJI FPV. Oh, that's this the new one. Drone is so it, it almost made me throw up for the first time I was doing it because I it literally it, you're, it's so immersive which I know everyone in the FPV world would make fun of me for saying the DJI one, but I'm not an FPV guy. I'm just a guy who... Define FPV for us. Is that, a sp- is that speed droning? Is that like FPV racing or what is, is FPV? The, the first person first view. Oh, 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 so you got the VR so like goggles on your head. I see, gotcha. It. Yeah, I would definitely hence, barf. I just got nauseous thinking about it. it almost made me throw up. But yeah, that, the, the, that thing is incredible it's fast and it's just a fun toy it took my do you find it difficult to to fly since you're not looking at the drone itself yes and i turned it into manual mode where you can do flips and you're actually flying where you can literally spin and you can disorient Mm -hmm. yourself in like two seconds that made it a bit difficult so (laughs) i'm now doing the uh the pilot modes that you can just wear the goggles and have your phone hooked up and learn how to pilot mode from the FPV. But um, look, I love doing drone work. Every time I go on vacation, if you look at my Instagram, you're going to find some drone work that I did. So it, to me, it's just it's just the next step for drones, like following the car at 90 miles an hour and going through the, the guy who literally has the car sliding and he slides through the windows. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the video at the bowling alley? The bowling alley. Oh yeah, the, the bowling alley. It, incredible. It's incredible. And you yeah. know that's the the dumbest little household FPV thing with like it's like this big. It it can literally bump into you. So it's right. Yeah. They have to be tiny. But, yeah, to but fit the it. quality like looks unreal. Machinery. Yeah, it's. I think they uh, stabilize that stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, told yeah, everybody okay. when that first came out, I was like, that was just me doing. Uh, Parkour with a GoPro on my head, running around the yeah. bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> what was your previous drone? It's my Mavic, I, and then I okay. had an Inspire that I crashed so many times I just got rid of it. But oh, I, I went for it with that sucker. Yeah, man. Cool. Okay, DJI FPV drone. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll get one. It's I'm just fun. It's fun. Uh, Pastor, what you got, buddy? Well, you know, being a father of two, I'm always looking for new books that I can enjoy as well. So I was going to mention an artist by the name of Raul III. Um, He's an amazing comic book artist that's been doing some kids' books, and he's got a series called Lowriders in Space, and it's all drawn with the pins that he used to find on the street or get for free from, like, banks. So it's all Mm -hmm. reds, (laughs) blacks, blues, and greens. Like like uh, big pen, sort of? Like a little... Like the ballpoint sort of vibe? Yeah, so it's all yeah, ballpoint yeah, that's pens. Cool. That's um, cool. He's an amazing artist, and um, it's uh, some books that I read with my kids, and they're, it's called the series is called Lowriders in Space. There's three books, um, 
yeah, it's just one of my favorite artists right now that I, I go to for inspiration. That's awesome, man. That sounds great. That's very cool. I was going to comment with two books. Wait, you, you have two kids and then you're talking about reading books. I'm like, bullshit. I got two kids. I got no time to read a book. I got like six books sitting over here that I bought and I read the first. No, he reads them with his kids. Yeah, with his that's, kids. That's yeah, I was yeah. like waiting for that like moment of, oh, oh yeah, now I got it. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know what else I'm uh, reading with my son right now? We're actually reading hmm. Witches by Roald Dahl. Oh, sure. I'm making him read every chapter with me so I can help explain certain words. So I'll be working in the afternoon, you know, during COVID, I don't know, after they're done with school, they have like three or four hours where they're just like doing nothing. So I sit them down next to me and I keep working and I listen to him read and then I jump in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm only doing it because I want him, I really want to rewatch the original film because I haven't seen the new film and I can't do it until he's read the book because I think it'll just ruin it. And it actually keeps him busy for an hour to two hours a day. Because it's like, all right, let's read another chapter today. So, um, so I'll, I'll make mine real quick, guys. Uh, <laughs> He's mine, like, Do these guys talk too much. No, 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 no. It's a podcast. That's the idea. Uh, mine is a real easy one. I'm so late to the the party. Do you guys watch AP Bio? Oh yes. No, I've never watched it. But you know what's really amazing about all their marketing? The hmm. color coordination the color. and the use of blues. Mm-hmm. You guys, it's the that is. Actually, maybe my only criticism of the show is that it is so controlled. The whole show is only blue Very stylized, right? or or like like rust. It, that is it's, literally it's a, the entire show like the is same in that palette that we used for yeah, our yeah. Bluebird documentary too. It's just blues and shadows. It's literally a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like so hardcore, uh, and it's like. I think actually in later seasons the the team gets a little bit yeah. better at making yes. it a little more diverse. Yeah. Like they kind of like ha- give themselves a little more latitude with like what counts in in the palette and what's not. But like it is a very very controlled show for sure. Um, and is it's neat that it's such so stylized for being, you know, like a, a network comedy. But um, I didn't know anything about the show and then just was like, oh, I should check this out. It's on Peacock, so it's free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and love it. It doesn't really have a ton to do with. Uh, biology no. well i'll say that <laughs> like i don't love like high school shows where like you know the english teacher is talking about uh themes that somehow relate to the story of the that episode is always kind of annoying to me that will never happen in <laughs> ap bio so you know if you're looking for a new comedy uh while we wrap out this quarantine ap bio is my recommendation yeah one of the directors was a past podcast sure Guess. Payment Payment Benz has uh, shot a couple oh. episodes for sure. Good dude. Yeah. Um, well, guys, uh, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about each of you along with Riverside Entertainment? I am. Do you guys tweet? Instagram. 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 <laughs> Instagram. What, what's your Instagram, Jeff? What's your Instagram? I think it's just my name. It's just Jeff Molino. J-E-M-O-L-Y-N-E-A-U-X. Yeah, unfortunately for me, I'm I produce more, so my Instagram is just my family. So there's nothing to learn about me there. Um, I think uh, Jeff and I both really work on our Instagram lately. We've been doing all the posts for our Instagram and to learn for Riverside, for, for yeah, Riverside, and, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that's I don't know where else people would learn anything else about me. I guess I try to just keep it private. 
Yeah, that's cool, man. That's good. If you want to uh, learn more about the things that we talked about on the show, you can go to justshootitpod.com. You can follow us across all social media at justshootitpod. We'll have uh, some of the links to the things, including our unpaid endorsements. Uh, and you can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow. I'm at O'Kaplan on Instagram. I'm at SmiteyPileg on Twitter. And you can email us also, just shoot a pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about everything you've heard today. Our social media maestro is Derek Aiello. Our uh, consulting producer is Ali Kornfeld. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the Artist Jazar. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye.